As much as people depend on us as leaders, you need someone who believes in you. You need a place to be open and honest with someone who's walked in your shoes and wants to help you become the leader you are meant to be. This is that place with those kind of people. Welcome to the Relational Leader Podcast with your host, Randy Bazet. Each episode will sit down and engage in life-giving conversation, unpacking leadership's greatest challenges. And now, your host, Randy Bazet. Well, welcome listeners to this episode of the Relational Leader Podcast. I'm Kristen and so glad to be with you today. And as always, I've got with me at the table, Randy, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. What's Good. going on? Oh, you know, just doing another podcast. That's uh, what's going on. You know what? This I'm excited about this season we're in. And so I'm I know. glad we're doing another one. It is. We're in this soul care mm-hmm. season and uh, we've done several conversations about this topic, but I just don't think there's enough that you can do because it's such a important topic right now. You know, I think it is the most important topic for the church right now, because we know the devil's plan is to strike the shepherd. Mm. And when he does that, the sheep scatter. And unfortunately, there's so many pastors that are being struck hard. And I, and that's the way the devil is right now. He's This is not new, but it seems like there are seasons where the attack is like heightened. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it seems to me right now it is. And so I think the church is probably the most fragile it's ever been, but the people that are getting this right, the church is also the healthiest maybe it's ever been. So this is a very important topic. I'm really glad that we're in this season. Yes. And today, um, to help kind of discuss some uh, avenues of soul care, we have a great friend of yours with us on the podcast. Uh, many of you listeners know him as the founding and senior pastor of Church of the Highlands. We have with us Pastor Chris Hodges. How are you, sir? Hey, thrilled to be here today. Thanks for having me on. We are so glad to have you and can't wait to hear some of your wisdom and nuggets <laughs> and uh, some principles you share that I know are going to bless so many of, uh, of our listeners today. We are. Thanks, Chris, for being on here. Of course, yeah. love you. We got a long time relationship going here and I just love hanging out. I love learning from you. I love just being with you, being your friend. So yeah, I don't know if people know this. We've been friends for uh, a very, very long time, more than 30 years. And so, um, and honestly, uh, I can, I count you in, in the in the top three relationships of my life, you know, and so I love you. Appreciate you so much. Proud of what God's doing in, in you and uh, all that you set your hands to, my friend. Yeah, it's fun. We get to talk about this stuff all the time and celebrate with each other and laugh and cry and all of that. And so uh, it just, mm-hmm. it's great. Listen, y'all, y- everybody, your pastor needs a few close friends where you just, you can laugh and have fun together and be honest together. And I'm, I'm thankful for mom with you. So. Yeah. No filter. You're, you can go, what I call go a hundred percent, you know, cause a lot of times leaders, especially are always guarded about something, can't let you know everything, but it's, it's so cool to have a few friends you can just be a hundred percent with. So you're one of those for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And, you know, as we talk about all the time, Randy, this is kind of like green room conversation, Mm -hmm. casual around the table conversation. And we're really focusing today on soul care. And I know, Pastor Chris, you uh, last year, you released your most recent book called Out of the Cave. And it was there that you shared some personal stories and some things that you walked through and you shared how, you know, even 
even though we walk through dark times, God still meets us in those dark places and walks us out of the cave. And so I wanted to kind of launch the conversation before we get to some practical things, just if you could share a little bit of the story of what you went through um, and God walked you through to our listeners. Yeah, I really only had two, I would call major bouts of depression. I'm not a depressed kind of a guy. Honestly, the glass is not even half full. It's usually always all the way full. Um, so this is not even something I really understood well when people would say, oh, I'm depressed. I like, well, man, just get over it until I went through it. <laughs> and so <laughs> and then you realize the whole problem is, is you don't even know how you got there. And you know there's a way out, but you don't know where it is, which is why I use the illustration or the metaphor of a cave to describe it, because you know there's a way out, but you have no idea what it is. And then like in a cave, your mind plays tricks on you. So a moth could fly by your ear in a cave and you think it's a bat, right? So you 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 begin to uh, um, accelerate in, in uh, the the negative emotions. They they call it ruminations. You heighten your distress. So it's not that it it's not that it's not bad. We just make it a whole lot worse in those situations. And so, yeah, it was in 2018 that there were uh, three pastors who who took their lives. I didn't know any of them. Uh, they were they're in a different tribe, but guys, it it impacted me like we were best friends. I remember grieving. The loss of these pastors and um and i knew i know when god does that it's he's you know the bible calls it a burden when you have a burden it usually means you're supposed to you know explore it a minister out of it in some way so uh we were in a series that that allowed me to bring a message on depression and i'm embarrassed to say i'd never preached on it once in my life in 18 years at that point and um I brought this message in. It became the most rewatched message times a hundred. Wow. And I mean, literally a hundred. I mean, the, the, they were going wow. back to the website, sharing it with the friends. And man, I had to repent to my congregation for not talking about soul care and depression and mental health and all those issues enough. So that's when I decided to go on a two year research and writing project. And then right in the middle of the writing project, 2020 happened. And then I would go through my second darkest cave of my life. Uh, and it was actually darker than the first one. Um, the, the one advantage that I had was I was 58 years old and I um, had had a lot of great friends and, and thank God, a little bit more wisdom than my earlier years, obviously, just because that's what age will do if you'll grow. And um, and it was darker than the other. But but I got out of it more quickly and I did get very vulnerable in the book out of the cave on, on what I was experiencing and um, yeah, so that's that's kind of my story of how it all happened. Wow. Well, I'd love to maybe start the conversation and kind of ask you, you just kind of shared it. You, you were able to get out of the cave much quicker this time. And I'm going to kind of assume that that is because there are some practices, some habits, some things that you have learned that you put into practice that you began to apply in your life and likely still apply those now. And would you share some of those? What are some of those things that help you maintain a healthy soul and uh, walk yourself out of the cave. Yeah, it's interesting because the Lord brought me to that story of Elijah that a lot of pastors that are listening and, and probably already know. He had his greatest victory in 1 Kings 18. I mean, like some of the best preaching material in the Bible is in 1 Kings 18. He, you know, I had defeated the prophets of Baal. 
uh, ended uh, his prayers ended a three and a half year drought. I mean, it, he, he's he's living it high on the hog, man. He's doing great. And in six verses later, he's under a bush wanting to take his life in First Kings 19. What's interesting, uh, Kristen, is that he he actually did six of the nine things that clinical psychologists, secular clinical psychologists say will get you depressed or contribute to your depression. He did six of the nine that I found out in my research, but then he did five things to get out. I happen to believe that the Bible tells stories that are still applicable today as almost like a playbook for life. In other words, it happened to Elijah. God was doing it to Elijah and then setting a playbook for all of us for eternity. And so I, I actually think the five things that he did to get out of the cave are the same things. And the first is so interesting to me because you mentioned the the practices of soul care. You would think if God got involved in any part of your life, that the first thing that he would do would be something spiritual. So like an angel shows up to Elijah and you think if an angel shows up, you think like the next line is going to be, so bow down and worship or (laughs) repent of your sins or kill an animal and make a sacrifice, right? You think that's what the line would be. And the first line the angel said is, hey, you need to get a nap and you need to get something to eat. And after you eat, you ought to go take another nap and then you need to get up and eat some more. And as a Cajun from South Louisiana who loves both (laughs) napping and food, that was like, (laughs) it's just so interesting that he he said, look, before we deal with the spiritual and deal with your emotions, hey, let's just get you healthy. Like, bro, you need to go take a nap. And the Bible says strengthened by that food, he was able to take the rest of the journey. And I think that's a word for pastors. You know, there there is a spiritual solution. There are some things you probably need to correct, but you kind of have to get yourself physically healthy enough to take the journey to the rest of your health. Does that make sense? It's just, yeah, you just, so sometimes you just need to take a vacation and then let's come back and talk about it. Uh, Let's, let's, let's get healthy. Uh, again and get strengthened by that food. So the first thing I tell, you know, pastors is that we got to start right off talking about the pace. And, and, and I don't know, Randy, you and I talked a lot about this. And even before we got on the podcast, we were talking about, you know, what Sundays we take off and how we're going to manage all that for our own soul care. And I just think it's an, an important discussion for pastors to have. It is. And what's interesting is that your flow may not be my flow. That's good. And so we can't just go, oh, well, Chris takes off on these days and does these things. But there are things that feed you like just, I mean, in your flesh. I mean, like just they're fun for you. They're relaxing for you. And they may not be that for me. And the the ebb and flow of your schedule may not be like mine. And so the point is, don't just try to look at what other people are doing. Go, oh, I'm going to do that. But you have to figure everybody has a rhythm. Some people are morning people, some people are night people, Mm -hmm. and you just have to figure out what feeds you and what encourages you and what brings you rest. And, you know, Chris and I play golf. We have for 30 plus years and we still, we travel around the world and we, we love to play golf. And for me, something like that is what I have to do when I'm playing golf. I'm not thinking about anything else, church or everything else. I just can shut it all off and have fun. That's rest for me. It wouldn't be that way for others. Some of us might be working out or whatever, but the point is it's the practical side to it. And I think it's such a brilliant launch for you, Chris, in this idea is don't go spiritual, 
go practical. Because when you're tired, you can't think right. When you're mm-hmm. tired, you can't hear from God. Can't even pray right. Yeah, yeah, you can't even. It's even hard to be spiritual, especially for pastors who do it for uh, you know uh, as a part of their living. It's their job. So you're exactly right. I call it the pace of grace. So you got to find your own grace flow. And, 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 and you probably shouldn't be the only one who's figuring it out too. You need to get your spouse's input. You need to get your pastor's input. You should probably let your team weigh in because we can be this, we can deceive ourselves too in the process of trying to figure it all out, but you're exactly right. Yeah. You know, what's interesting in this story, Chris, from, uh, from Elijah is that when he had the encounter with God, the question that God asked him was, what are you doing here? Now, I don't think God meant to question or why are you hiding in this cave? Because God, that, that's not really it. And that's not even the answer that Elijah gave him. He said, I've served you zealously. And that word zealously means overly emotional. And, and I think God would say, I never told you to serve me with excited emotions. Mm. And, and I think as pastors and leaders, especially when we're running so hard, we get to this place like I'm ready to quit. I'm done. And yes, it's a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. It's a relational thing. And we're like, God, why did you let me here? And he says, what are you doing here? Not physically, but why are you allowing your emotions to wow. take over you? And this is the recipe that you need. And that is, why are you here? It's because you're not resting. You're not doing things that just mm. feed you as a person and keep you healthy. And what a what a great launch into this, Hodges. Your book is brilliant, by the way. Yeah. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. I really appreciate it. Yeah. What's interesting too is in you know in the previous chapter, God showed himself by devouring that water-soaked sacrifice with fire. And so in the next chapter, while he's in this cave, um, you know, uh, there was an earthquake and there was another fire and there was wind. So God obviously created all that. He, so he, he came in an earthquake, but it says he wasn't in the earthquake this time. And he came in the fire and he wasn't in the fire this time. And then he came in the, you know, in this wind, he said, when he went in the wind and then he came in and finally in a gentle, still small voice, this whisper. And the point I think there is, is that a lot of times we even get used to hearing God in the dynamic, like, especially pastors. It's like, we feel God's anointing when we preach but we've lost the ability to experience God in the intimate. Mm. So we don't even know how to do that anymore. So like we feel all anointed and, you know, God's man of faith and power on the stage and we've lost our quiet time. We've lost our gentle voice. So I think, I think a God is obviously the earth, wind and fire. You know, he is all of that. He can, he creates all that, but he's, he's drawing us back to, you know, knowing him in a different kind of a way. So he was God almighty on Mount Carmel, but he was, he was God personal uh, on Mount Horeb, you know, in that cave. And I just, as I talked to a lot of pastors, they, uh, they, they understand the dynamic, but they've lost the intimate. That is so important because it, it, it probably is when, when you're tired and you feel like you can't keep going, you sometimes create chaos, an earthquake, a wind, uh, a fire. In other words, we're going to go do this. And now we're going to go do that. You're creating these chaotic things. God's not in them, but it gives you an adrenaline rush, which is just like a quick shot to get me through this moment. But what you really need to recognize is what I need to do is find a quiet place, mm-hmm. 
where none of the wind and the earthquakes and the fires are going. And I just sit with God and it's there that I can be refreshed and encouraged and not coming to God with a list of prayer requests, but just some time where you're just quiet with God and like, and like listening. And that's when you hear that still small voice. And that was, the, it was quieting down life. So Elijah could hear from God that really got him out of the cave, but he had to set himself up physically and emotionally and in every way mm-hmm. to do that. So good. That's just so good. It is. Let me, is it hard for, let's speak to lead pastors for a little bit. Okay. How do you foster that? Because that's like from a, is it just intentionality? Is it, there's always something, there's always somebody pulling on you. There's always a decision to be made. There's a pressure here. There's a problem. There's whatever. Okay. How, how have you both just fostered that in your own life that maybe would encourage some practices for some listeners? Uh, I think, Chris, you, you, you may have a completely different answer, but I think it just takes discipline and no discipline at the time seems good. The scripture says, but later yields uh, a harvest of blessing. And what does that mean? You can't just have relationships at Mach four. I mean, healthy relationships. So you have to have the discipline of scheduling stuff. I was actually three days ago. I was like, when the heck are we going to play golf again in North Carolina or hang out? I looked back at my schedule. It's coming in June. And, and, yep. and, and my brother and Chris and I and the wives are just going to get together and we're going to play golf and we're going to go from Mach 5 to, to no Mach. You know, we're just, <laughs> right? no mock. we just go sit around and play golf and play cards and, and whatever. And, but you can't have relationships when you're running that fast. So what I think you have to have is people that you're willing just to sit around and have real like time with it. You're not accomplishing a project, just doing life together. No, I totally agree with that answer. And, and not only in the um, seasonal disciplines, like getting that time away that we have planned in June, but even the daily disciplines of, for me, if I give away my mornings, even if it's just for five, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever time with God. If I don't do that, if I don't start always the way I say it is, it's not all's well that ends well, it's all's well that begins well. So if you don't have that discipline, even into starting your day, and for me, that's it's so critical. And it doesn't even have to be that structured. It doesn't have to be um, you know, that intense. It doesn't have to be a lot of t- sometimes I just read the word of God and just turn on some worship and just sit and meditate in the presence of God, you know, and not even, I was so intense as a young leader and as a young pastor, you know, made sure I covered every prayer that I was supposed to pray and kind of watching the clock to make sure I tarried for an hour and all of that, you know, and, (laughs) but just starting off with that intimacy with God. And for me, and and I'm, and I am a worshiper and I'm a musician, have been my whole life, man, just listening to worship, just getting, letting my, my soul be refreshed in the presence of God. Uh, I would love for every leader to have a part of their day where that is, that's in it. And if they did, it, it kind of calms the savage beast. You know what I'm saying? It just, it just puts a calm on, on everything that's going on in life. I'll say this. If you win the morning, you win the day. It's good. So for me, it is, it is doing that as well. I I have to start my morning like that. And of course I, I don't get it right all the time. But I'm I'm better at it than than I'm not. In other words, I'm I'm better at hitting the mark than I am at missing the mark. And so, 
it's almost like a reset button for the day. And, uh, and you know, clearly, or to be clear, to be honest, I don't always enjoy it. I don't always feel like it, anything's happening. The, mm -hmm. the, the ceiling oftentimes is as much glass as it is an open window to heaven. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and I'm with you, Chris, I've done the, here's my model and I follow through it and I'm making sure I'm praying an hour cause that's what godly people do. And, and then I, I'm not as rigid, but I am very committed to that time with God and just sitting quietly. I find myself nowadays being more quiet than I am just following a model. Mm. And I, I just think that for pastors, you, you know, it's a great way to start the day, just commit to it. So that means you're probably going to have to make some decisions at night. Yeah. I'm not going to watch the Netflix series. Sure. I'm going to go to bed a little bit earlier because I'm going to get up a little bit earlier. So to win the day, you got to win the morning, but to win the morning, sometimes you have to choose. That's to good. Win yeah. the night. Yeah. That's called a routine. In fact, in my research, I was, I was talking to this um, clinical psychologist about depression and he was uh, giving me um, the ideas about how to build your emotional house, he called it. So what, what shapes, what structures your emotions? And he said, the healthiest thing you can do to reset your emotions back to health is the establishment of a new routine that your mind and your emotions find security in, in routines. And just think about that when you set something up in your life that, man, I'm going to do this. And I think there are a bunch of good routines like date nights, weekly date nights, uh, you know, or just any, I, I don't give away this time. This is my routine. The, the research says that it builds and it structures your emotions back to health. And what a great idea, especially coming out of a season where all of our routines got <laughs> destroyed, you know, with lockdowns and yes. the right. season that we've been in, you know, with COVID, it really got everybody out of their normal. And there's just something healthy about it, you know, just having healthy routines. There are so many things in life that are out of our control. So how about we control the controllables and your schedule is something that you are in control of. No one else says yes to what you say yes to. Mm -hmm. And so I find a lot of pastors, they don't really use their calendar the way they should. My date night is on my calendar. My quote, I have some go to church time where I'm feeding myself spiritually. I have that on my calendar. You know, my, my prayer time, my family time. I put those on there because if I don't, inevitably, I'll put something else there. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not controlling what I can control. So something else controls it. And that's how you get yourself in trouble. So good. That's good. That's good. Well, I want to jump back with a little bit of time that we have left back to uh, the cave, if if we can. And you you had started to share and, and you did share a couple a couple principles. Um, but I want to ask you, what was if if you could like the the one that was the most impactful for you and uh listeners you're gonna have to get the book to to read all of all of the story but um what was maybe the one that was most impactful that you can encourage listeners with um as they are walking through something eating some boudin yeah <laughs> oh, there's a boudin. yeah i actually yeah, so. have some boudin in my freezer anything that's right <laughs> And now every listener is going to have to go figure out what that word means. So yeah, they're Googling go. like how to spell <laughs> they it don't right even now. Know how to spell it. Thank God you can just, you know, voice text. What is boudin? <laughs> exactly. Oh, um, you know, Christian, it's a very easy answer. 
and it's powerful. And I tell when I'm teaching this material that there were five things that Elijah did, but if you can only do one, do this one. Yeah. And that is he got fresh vision again. It's the power of a project. It's the power of my life matters. My life counts. And my, the most fascinating research that, that I did was the, um, was when I was studying the life of Victor Frankl, the, the, the Austrian psychiatrist who had post Holocaust, um, patients in his hospital. Every one of them were suicidal. They had, they had, uh, seen their families murdered in the Holocaust. They survived it. And, what he did for them is he helped everyone discover what he called meaningful work, doing something with your life that makes your life feel like it matters. And that's what the Bible says in Psalm 126. It says that when, when we uh, were restoring the fortunes to Zion, we were like those who dreamed. And then when we dream, our mouths are filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. There's something about a project. And for me personally, when I was going through that darkest moment in 2020, literally what kind of kept me in the game, if you will, was we were right in the middle of finishing, you know, this college that we're building and this building that we're building with Highlands College and just started dreaming and even physically going to that place. In fact, when I got called to Birmingham, it was I was going to a baseball game to watch LSU go Tigers. I was watching LSU play some <laughs> baseball and and God called me to Birmingham on top of this hill while I was drinking a cup of coffee, looking over this six lanes of this traffic jam. And I went right back to that hill and mm-hmm. told God that I would serve him all over again. In Elijah's case, he said, you need to go back the way you came. And the back the way he came was this town called Beersheba. Now watch this. Beersheba is called the place of the oath. In other words, it's the place you said, God, I'm going to serve you. And it was the place where he felt called. Let me say it that way. And, and for me, it was that hill drinking that cup of coffee in 2000 when I was, I thought I was going to a baseball game, but I was really getting a calling mm-hmm. and it lit a fire back on the inside of me. And so what I tell pastors, anybody for that matter, who's going through a season of depression, it's time to dream again. It's time to stir your vision up again. It's time to go back to Beersheba and recommit your life to Christ again. And I'm telling you, Victor Frankl's patients, not one single one of them committed suicide under his watch. Not one, not one. And he did it through meaningful work. He had three things. He called it logotherapy, help them find meaningful work with a community of people they love, and then take whatever suffering you've experienced and turn it around to help somebody else. And that was his solution. And I'm telling you, it absolutely works. Wow. Wow. You know, what's interesting to me is uh, you started out, what's the first thing you do is non-spiritual, you know, find some rest for yourself. And in your story, you just told about being at the summit there on 280, you were there because you were doing something to just rest for yourself. You were there for a baseball game and it set you in a place to hear from God. Mm. And most of us want to solve the spiritual thing. And a lot of times it can happen when you've settled your own personal emotions and self by creating space for you just to rest and be who you are. And you, you just tied it all in, Chris, right wow. there at the very end. Beautiful. Mm. That's so well, good. You. That's so good. Well, Pastor Chris, I just want to thank you so much for the conversation today. I know we could keep going, but likely our listeners have finished their workout by now. Yeah. And. <laughs> 
Oh, but it is such an honor. Um, a bowl of ice cream. Their bowl of ice cream, maybe. I, I yeah. don't know. Hopefully some rest. Maybe yeah, what's a workout? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> but it has been such an honor. I want to encourage all of those that are listening. Um, your book, Out of the Cave, is available on Amazon, anywhere, really, yeah. uh, any major platform. They can find it. And uh, you mentioned earlier, and our amazing producer, Corey, helped me figure this out. Um, I believe I, I wanted to let our listeners know that message that you referenced back in 2018. It's still available. And I believe it's from the series called Reply All. And it it's is. just titled Depression. And you can find that on your YouTube channel. And uh, and so I just want to encourage you guys, if you're you're in that season, uh, just another great resource for you to go back and listen to. So thank you again so much, Pastor Chris. Great conversation. Randy, always good. Love it. Thanks, Chris, for being here. I'll see you in a couple of weeks at the art conference. And uh, We'll hang out, have some fun, eat some boudin. Well, they don't have boudin in South Carolina. No, but, but they got like shrimp we'll and grits. Eat. We'll That'll eat. be good. Yeah. <laughs> we'll still eat, yeah. <laughs> Love you both. Eat. Thanks for letting me be on. Love you, homie. Absolutely. Listeners, thank you so much for joining us. We will catch you next time on the Relational Leader Podcast. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Relational Leader Podcast. For more resources, visit randybazette.com.